Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. You know what today is, folks. And if you don't, I'll tell you. It's Monday. That's it. That's all. It's Monday. But that also means it's reverse chronological lightning round. Monday here on Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. Good day to you all. A merry Monday to you. I am Dan Bespris, your host. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris. And we got a weekend to review, uh, but we do have some, I don't know, we call this breaking news because it actually doesn't impact anything until a little bit later in the week, but just from a week planning standpoint, the NBA has announced that it is postponing its first two games of this 2021-2022 season. The Bulls and the Pistons are being postponed. That was scheduled to be tomorrow, Tuesday, and Bulls-Raptors on Thursday is also being postponed. Basically, at this point, the Bulls are an outbreak center, and the NBA said, all right, enough, enough, enough's enough. You guys got to stop hanging out with one another. You got to stop traveling we need to stop putting you guys in a position where you're going to infect anybody uh let's just get this back on track so the bulls are not going to play for about a week starting from their last ball game um depending on what format you're in this could be a good thing or a bad thing i think overall from a how do i feel in my tummy standpoint it's fairly depressing because i think we all hoped that when last season ended or at least the regular season ended that we'd be past a lot of this. And unfortunately, due to viral mutation and waning immunity, we're back in it again. And unfortunately, this is something that we're probably going to be looking at unless scientists, whoever, the NBA, works with them to come up with a... Basically, there's going to have to be like preseason boosting, probably. Because what we've seen now from the data is that Right after a booster, the odds of someone getting infected go way, way down. Unfortunately, right now, because a lot of folks got it, got their shots eight, nine, ten months ago, whatever it might be, you're seeing as the immunity is waning, these cases are going up. So without getting too much into the weeds there, from a fantasy standpoint, remember, this is like the most idiotic nostalgic moment. Remember right before our fantasy drafts when everybody was like, hey, are you bumping MPJ, Andrew Wiggins, and Bradley Beal down your board because they're not vaccinated? And I was like, nah, not really because, you know, they've all had it. So they're basically at same risk as everybody else who's X number of months away from getting their immunity another way. And here we are. It doesn't matter anymore. Um, just from a from a missed games standpoint, from a what sort of symptoms they have, yeah, probably still does. Again, I'm not going to get into that part of it, but just from a missed games standpoint, we're basically back on a level playing field unless we find out who either has it currently or had it very recently or who is getting a shot very recently. And we don't have that data. Well, we have some of the data on who's, like, fighting it, so they're probably at much lower risk for being involved in anything later on this same season, but... You know, we know a lot of teams are fully vaccinated. We don't know when. That now actually becomes part of the equation, is when. It's too much. We can't track it. I'm just a fantasy analyst, for goodness sake. So, you just have to treat everything the same. 
from this point forward. That's the solution here from a fantasy standpoint. And cross your fingers that your fantasy team doesn't get disproportionately affected by it. While at the same time, obviously, hoping that everybody is okay. I don't think we need to say that. It's a fantasy show. Feels almost disingenuous to be like, oh, but let's make sure everybody's okay. Obviously, we want everybody to be okay. Anybody that says otherwise is a jackass. But again, fantasy-wise, you just cross your fingers. Um, on the Chicago Bulls, if you're in a head-to-head matchup this week, that kind of sucks for you. If you're uh, if you have Chicago Bulls and you feel like you're going to make the fantasy playoffs, it might actually be slightly helpful for you, depending on when these games get rescheduled. Uh, if you have one of the players who's out for Chicago, this is helpful no matter how you slice it. With the possible exception of DeMar DeRozan, who it sounds like was targeting a return on Thursday, and that game's now been postponed. So he's sort of a weird gray area in this whole thing. But whatever. Like, there's nothing you can really do about it. This is the way it is. Toronto, Chicago is going to get rescheduled at some point later in the season. There's still plenty of time to do it. Um, And Pistons, Bulls, is going to get rescheduled at some point later in the season. Still plenty of time to do that as well. It is going to create uh, some weirdness for the Bulls. Less weirdness for the Pistons and the Raptors, who right now, at least at the moment, only have to have one game rescheduled, Chicago sitting on two. I think the hope is that Chicago will have a, a, a player or two back by the weekend, and then you won't have to postpone anymore, and everybody's been separated long enough that no additional cases, if there are additional cases, they will occur here while nobody's seeing one another. There was also a report that I don't have a, uh, a subscription to The Athletic, womp womp, um, but someone broke it down for me that was talking about Kyrie Irving. There's optimism that he might play again this season. Although apparently if you read the actual text of the report, it just says that there is still hope that either A, he'll get a vaccine, or B, there will be some sort of relaxation of restrictions and they'll let him play road games with the team. Not so much that like the restrictions in New York would change all that much, but then he would become a one half of the remaining season guy, which makes him a near impossible ad in head-to-head leagues. And in Roto, if you had him already, you'd just keep sitting on it. So nothing changes there either, Kyrie Irving fantasy-wise. I got a bunch of questions this morning. I was like, should I pick him up? Nine cat head-to-head? No injured list? No. No, probably not. If you didn't draft him with the plan of squatting on him half the year, don't add that to your mix right now. And if you have an IL slot, someone already probably is sitting on him. The reason he's on your wire is because your league doesn't have, or he doesn't qualify, which I know happens on on Yahoo right now. All right, so the NBA keeping us on our toes. It's, man, this this sucks, dude. I, 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 I'm human. Maybe that's the best way to put it. I'm human. I'm just... A little bit. This is sort of a gut punch. I think seeing that first game postponed felt very real. And not that, like, the fact that the Bulls had whatever they have, nine players in protocols right now, doesn't feel real. It just doesn't feel real until the axe really comes down on a game. The guillotine finally came down. I just, I don't know. I hoped that we might be able to make it through the year without it. But here we are. Onward and upward. We got a weekend to cover. Reverse Chronological Lightning Round Monday. This is one of our simplest shows to do during the week because uh, we know exactly what to do with it. <laughs> it's quite it's quite straightforward. Um, we got Sunday, Saturday, and potentially Friday games to cover. 
and uh, we'll get you reset. The most recent game for every team in the NBA. Let's start on Sunday. Milwaukee at New York. The Bucks winners on the road. Knicks continue to struggle overall and uh, quite a lot in day games. Alec Burks was gone for the birth of a child. R.J. Barrett entered COVID protocols prior to this ball game. So Quentin Grimes got his first NBA start and uh, hit seven three-pointers, tying a Knicks rookie record. I mean, you know that ain't happening again. That was classic first game explosion. I will say this, and because R.J. Barrett now is going to miss probably a week and a half, unless this was an exposure and not an actual positive test, I don't. I think we have the the answer to that one. Uh, Derek Rose, who I already liked as someone who was slightly above the cut line, now he moves way out in front of the cut line. He's a go. Emmanuel Quickly is probably a go. You guys know I'm not super thrilled about his fantasy stat set, but with no Barrett, and you know Burks might miss another ball game here. The birth of a child doesn't. It, a lot of these guys don't just watch the baby come out and then race back to their team. They might spend a you know a day or two with their newborn. So that would open up, I think, a, enough minutes for quickly to be usable here in the short term. When Barrett and Burks get back, well, Burks certainly has been good enough. I do still think Rose maintains just above the cut line. Evan Fournier still unable to do anything, so you go ahead and drop on that front. And uh, quickly, to me, becomes more of a streamer when they get back to full health. But here in the short term, fire him up. It's not, I'm not Derrick Rose level excited about it. D. Rose starting point guard for the Knicks right now. He's going to put up some really nice numbers this week, I would assume. When just Burks comes back, since I'm guessing that'll be before Barrett, I'm still starting Rose. I might not start quickly at that point. And Obi Toppin, by the way, also in protocols. That opened up some minutes for Kevin Knox, who had five three-pointers, but I, you know, you couldn't pay me enough to care about that. And then at the center spot, Nerlens Noel played 28 minutes, didn't score. Seven boards, two steals, one block. He's absolutely worth using in 28 minutes. This is, I mean, this is the story of the Knicks' center spot right now. If you start at center alongside Julius Randle and the starters, you don't get to do anything. Mitchell Robinson took five shots in 18 minutes off the bench, had nine and eight. No blocks, however. Both of those guys, to me, are still a hold while we sort this whole thing out. On the Bucks side, by the way, very little to care about there. Grayson Allen, Pat Connaughton, those guys have both slid back into streamer at best situation. And so you go Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Bobby Portis, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Those are the four main guys. Brooklyn beat Detroit 116-104. No James Harden for this one. KD had 51. My, oh my. He is now the number three player in fantasy. Just moving up the board, despite the fact that he still hasn't done all that much defensively so far this year. Kind of a remarkable little twist there, but he's been incredible. KD, everything you could want and more. Couple of rest days here and there hasn't really been a big enough thing to to call it an issue. That's That was the hope. If you had the stones to draft him, I did not. I was worried there'd be more rest, possible injuries. So far, they haven't happened. That's the upside there. But if you're going to take that shot at number six and it misses... It could lose you your, your league. Or you just take, like, you know, Cat and be okay with the fact that he's slightly later in the first round without the, you know, coming off a full season and an Olympics run kind of thing. But either way, KD's been awesome. Uh, without Harden, Patty Mills got a few more shots, and that elevated him back into good status for one ball game. He's probably more of a streamer. I know I was kind of excited about Mills. It seemed like he was going to have a decent amount of usage, but it's tapered off in the absence of Joe Harris. It just hasn't been able to sort of to maintain 
long enough. So he's a streamer when Harden's back. He's a go in all formats when Harden sits, but that seemed, it sounded like it was just a one-day thing anyway. And for Detroit, no Jeremy Grant. Uh, issues, torn ligaments in his thumb. He's expected to be out at least six weeks. He's evaluated at about a month and a half. Let's put, which puts that evaluation sort of mid-late January. And I tweeted it over the weekend, another reason that you guys should probably be following me on social media. The first thing I tweeted after seeing the note was that there's no obvious immediate fill-in. Sadiq Bey slid up to power forward. Hamadou Diallo got the start sort of in Grant's stead. And Diallo's a mess in category leagues. We've been down this road. Um... There are some analysts that are very excited about Diallo, and I get it because athletically he's incredible. He's a very fun player to watch. He's explosive, but doesn't hit the three ball. Brutal free throw percent guy. Um, and isn't going to be a feature piece here, even though he's getting the starting role. We saw that in his first game yesterday. He only played 21, or 20 and a half roughly minutes despite getting the start. Frank Jackson ended up getting more run off the bench, as did Saban Lee. Although Lee, uh, mostly the point guard backup to Killian Hayes right now, Frank Jackson did a, a bit more of that wing stuff behind uh, Diallo. I guess also behind Hayes, however you want to stack he and, and Cade Cunningham. I don't you know. Positions, what do positions even really mean anymore? What do we do with Detroit? Well, the tweet I sent out, which I, I guess I haven't said here on this podcast, was stash Kelly Olynyk. This is a very short, simple, sweet tweet. Stash Kelly Olynyk. That was it. That's all I said. Because I didn't have time to do a bunch of digging on it. It's the weekend. I'm doing family stuff. But the news broke, and it was important to get it out there. Kelly Olynyk got the start at Power Forward. The one game early this year that Grant missed uh, before Kelly got hurt. And in that game, Olynyk, as the starting Power Forward, played 30 minutes... And went for 21 points, 6 boards, 4 assists, 2 3 balls, and 2 steals. And that's a... I know he missed a couple of free throws in that game. But you sort of... You throw out the game-to-game the -game sample. Will the shot, won't the shot kind of thing. And just understanding that 30 minutes of Kelly Olenek in a role where he actually gets to do a little bit of stuff. So not 30 minutes of Miami Kelly Olenek. Also not 30 minutes of Houston Kelly. Somewhere in between those two is a medium-usage guy, stretch four, who can get steals, block shots, hit threes, rebound, and pass. I mean, that's... Yeah. Olenek should be back in about three weeks. He's been out for around that long already, and his prognosis was somewhere in that six-week span anyway. And with Grant out at least six, you're, you're looking, I would think, at somewhere around three weeks where Olenek is the starting power forward, maybe more depending how, on how Grant's healing goes, his recovery. Kelly Olenek, as they starting power forward on a bad Pistons team that's going to need his guidance and his offense more than anything else, he'll actually have to do some stuff on offense, that is a top 50 guy. So, you know, at this point, to me, almost any format, is one that I'm looking at him in. Roto Games Cap is a must stash at this point. And then head-to-head, -head, you know, if you've got an injured spot, terrific. That makes it a whole heck of a lot easier. If you don't, I still think I might do it because his upside is terrific in those games that Grant is out. And 
he was showing signs of kind of settling into a role even before he himself, Kelly, got hurt. As far as Saban Lee goes, I need to see this again. Frank Jackson, I would need to see it again. He didn't do anything besides hit the three-pointers. One rebound, one assist, one block. That's just, you can't rely on six three-pointers every game. It doesn't happen. Nobody, nobody does that. Not even the best of the best of the best. With Saban Lee, at least you had steals, blocks, some assists. But best case scenario here for him is a timeshare with Killian Hayes because that's the guy that they're presumably trying to groom a little bit. So the short answer is there's really no replacement for Jeremy Grant right now. But when Olenek gets back, then there is. Dallas beat Oklahoma City 103-84. No uh, Luka Doncic in this ballgame. So Jalen Brunson, 18-9 and rebounds, oddly enough. Three assists. He's a start anytime Luka is out. Moses Brown got some extra run in the blowout. Uh, Maxi Kleba got some extra run. Took some shots, which was pretty interesting. But no, I'm not doing anything with that when Kristaps Porzingis is healthy. And then Dorian Finney-Smith, 8.6 boards, 5 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks, 2 three-pointers. You guys, I'm sure remember my sort of semi-ingest, the Dorian Finney-Smith race to top 90. He's at 111 in 9-cat right now. He's not that far away. He's like two good games away from being a top 90 guy. Uh, To me, he's kind of a king of the streamers right now. I'm not using him in a Roto Games Cap format. With Luka out, you could maybe look at it because he probably gets one, maybe two extra shots per game, and that sometimes is enough. You're talking about an extra half three-pointer, whatever it might be. That's all it takes to get someone from 110 range to number 90 range. When this team's fully healthy, he's a streamer. When guys are down, there's a little bit of a pathway. Uh, Lou Dort, on the other side, turned an ankle, ended up leaving after 16 minutes, and, you know, if a tree falls in the forest, same kind of thing again with Oklahoma City. They are... Very bad. Shea Gilgis-Alexander now probably the only guy you can use on that team if Dort has to miss any time. Yuck. New Orleans beat by San Antonio. Roundly, by the way. Derek White, 24, 8, and 9. Four steals, a block, a three-pointer. Made all of his free throws. Ooh, the Derek White show. Oh, it's a glorious thing. He's number 48 in nine count right now. Remember in draft season, I said top 50 top 50 potential and then he was like 130 after a couple weeks and everybody was looking at each other including me like what is going on here with this dude well he's now number 48 and he's still shooting just 42 percent overall on the year over the last three weeks he's inside the top 30 over the last two weeks he's inside the top 20 he's been a second round guy for a couple weeks and a third round guy for almost a month hmm That might be the buy low that's working out the best out of all of them so far. Josh Hart's a go on the New Orleans side. Ingram, Jonas uh, Jonas Valanciunas, those guys are the easy starts there. White, Murray, Pirtle are the starts on the San Antonio side. No fantasy adjustments coming. Devin Vassell, 21 minutes. That number slowly working its way up. He's a guy that should probably be kind of an active stash for when he gets his legs fully underneath him and they get him back up to 25, 26 minutes a game because he was a top 80 guy. In that amount of time, 2018, 19, 20, 21, that wasn't going to be enough for him, but uh, it's on the right, it's in the right direction, on the right path. Minnesota, Portland, Pat Beverly, 34 minutes, 10, 4, and 4, three steals, two threes. He's a go now that his minutes are back up to full starters numbers. Great. That's an easy one on the Minnesota side. 
He'll be hurt in the next three weeks. We know how the Pat Bev thing goes, but still worth using in between. Portland had a shakeup. Is this the news from Sunday? Sunday was a relatively busy fantasy news day when you think about kind of the, the stuff we were able to pull away from just these six ball games. Larry Nance Jr., starting power forward for the Portland Trailblazers. And by the way, he's a must-add player every which place. I don't care what format you're in. Make sure Larry Nance is not on your waiver wire. And so here's the thing. Uh, he's outside the top 200 in 20 minutes of all game this year, which in general, when he plays 20 minutes a game, he's more like a top 150 kind of guy. And, you know, some of that is because he's been the backup power forward. And even now, the starting power forward, his rebounds per minute are probably not going to be as robust as if you look at his career number. And by the way, last year in Cleveland, his rebounds per minute weren't all that robust because he was playing a lot of small forward and power forward alongside Jared Allen and Kevin Love and the laundry list of big men the Cavs had last year also. I think JaVale McGee was out there for part of the year. When he's the center, 25-26 minutes, he can usually get you 7-8 rebounds a game. As the power forward in 25 minutes, you're probably looking more at like 6. So I guess 5.3 isn't all that bad so far this year. The reason that Larry Nance's rank is lower than expected is that, well, for one, his stuff moves very linearly with time on the floor. So he's at 0.4 blocks, 0.9 steals, which, by the way, isn't all that far off of his per 36 marker. He's a guy that, and and this is actually kind of unusual compared to most players in the NBA. A lot of guys that come off the bench and play 20 minutes, they go like balls-to-the-wall energy level for those 20 minutes. And even if you look at Larry Nance early in his career, that was more like what you saw out of him, young Larry Nance Jr., which feels like a uh, CBS sitcom, young Larry Nance, he was still, you know, 22 minutes with the Lakers back in 2017, 21 with the Cavs that same year. He was at 8 to 9 points, 1.2, 1.3 steals, 7 rebounds in about the same number of minutes he's getting in Portland so far this year, where he's 2.5 points lower because he's shooting the ball less, he's rebounding less, his steals are lower, and I think what you're just you're seeing is more of a slightly older Larry Nance. Not that he's like an old guy or anything. He's 28 right now. Actually, will be 29 on New Year's Day. Also, happy almost birthday, Larry. Uh, it's just very linear for him over the last two, three, four seasons. For every minute he's on the floor, he will add basically what you're going to get, like what he's at right now. So that top 200 actually grows pretty fast as he sees additional minutes, whereas a lot of guys, when they get to 20 or they get to 22, 23, whatever it is, it levels off a little bit. That's not what we've seen with Nance. When he gets the extra minutes, stuff comes with it. Portland's been a bit of a chemistry mess here lately, but it's also worth pointing out that as a team, they are just better when Damian Lillard is on the floor, and he also made his return yesterday. By the way, Nance, 8 points, 12 boards, 3 assists, and a block in yesterday's ballgame. It would have gone over uh, much better had he hit his four free throws, but he missed two of them, so sort of artificially moved him down the board in terms of what yesterday's numbers actually meant. 
20, give him 25, 26 minutes on the floor. He's usually going to get you a steal or more. He's one of the better deflections guys in the entire NBA. And here's the sort of funny thing. Rob Covington ended up playing 34 minutes in this game also. Yusuf Nurkic only played 21. He had some foul stuff going on. That is, by the way, something we should keep an eye on because maybe, I would venture to guess it probably did, contribute to slightly higher minutes for Nance and Rob Covington together. Like I might argue most of the time, in this ballgame, Nance and Covington uh, effectively split 59 minutes. Most of the time, they're probably splitting more like 53 or 54 if Nurk plays his normal full game of basketball. And as McCollum comes back, they might opt to go smaller more and more often. So that could also shave into the Covington stuff. Because by the way, Rob Covington, who got bumped to the bench, had arguably his best game of the year with five steals and four blocks in 34 minutes of action. He was quite active on the defensive side, got his rebounds, got his assists, only hit one three-pointer, but you know he went one for six from the field, so... On another night, he might hit three of those. So Rocco's a hold. Nance is an add because, again, if he's starting, to me, there's at least an expectation he's going to get around 25 to 28 minutes per ballgame. It's, it's just easier to get minutes when you're part of the starting lineup. He's an add. Uh, Anthony Simons at 26 points in 33 minutes. He and Nasir Little are going to be fighting for the C.J. McCollum action a little bit here. Little actually has a slightly better fantasy game, which I know is weird to say after yesterday's ball game. but for Simons, he's much more uh, scoring-dependent. And he did in this ballgame. He took a team leading 20 shots. I just don't see how he takes 20 shots every ballgame, or if that's... You could even consider that a good thing at all for Portland. So that was kind of fun. And then with Lillard and Simons coming back, obviously Dennis Smith Jr. is now a drop. Orlando and LA, not a whole lot to take away from this ballgame. Mobamba turned an ankle. If he has to miss any time, they'd probably just move Wendell Carter Jr. up to center, and you'd see more of RJ Hampton and Terrence Ross, who's on one of his weird little heaters right now anyway. I don't have the, the gall to start T. Ross in a games cap format. You could certainly start him in a head-to-head where, you know, if he has a bad ball game, you just say, oh, well, and move along. You just don't want to spend a game on him in a roto league. Uh, Gary Harris fell back to earth, and that's why he's, you know, streamer level only. Franz Wagner, he's getting a lot of activity right now, so he's a go, uh, especially if guys continue to miss time. Magic are getting more hurt as opposed to healthier. On the Lakers side, uh, no Anthony Davis for their second consecutive ball game. Dwight Howard got the start at center. Uh, he's worth using if he's going to start at center. Feels like a pretty short-term thing, but... You know, if you need center statistics, you go ahead and drop him in there for a game or two. The rebounds were weirdly low for Dwight, but he did get three steals and two blocks and only missed one free throw, so it didn't completely obliterate you there. He's an interesting short-term stream. Taylor Norton Tucker, six steals. He needs one of the Lakers' two superstars to be out to hit fantasy in some way. So he got 14 shots in this game that made him the third fiddle, basically. And there's a massive gap between third and fourth fiddle on the Lakers. LeBron, Russ, AD, in whatever order you want to put them in on any given night. And then there's this huge drop-off. And so if one of those guys is out and 15, 16, 17, 18 shots just magically free up, that changes the complexion for everybody. Because AD's taking 18 shots a game. LeBron's taking 20 shots a game. Where the heck is Russ at? Russ... 
uh, is at 16 shots per game. So that's just so much offensively, and THT needs the offensive side generally to be a fantasy value because he doesn't rebound a ton, he doesn't pass a ton, well, a little bit just from being on the floor. Uh, the steals, that's a good sign. I mean, he has a really long wingspan, so you can sort of assume there will be something to that. But again, he feels like a short-term thing, an Anthony Davis-related bump. We saw what he was when all those guys were right. He was the fourth fiddle, and that was very much a schedule stream kind of guy. Brief pause in the action to remind you guys to check out our buddies over at thrivefantasy.com and the Thrive Fantasy app. I accidentally, some of you probably noticed this, I accidentally dropped our DFS show onto this channel last night because I'm an idiot. And you guys might have gotten to hear our buddy Mike Apatria and uh, Harris Kirmani giving you guys some Thrive Fantasy props to play. You can get their show every single day, seven days a week. DFS Today runs over on uh, the DFS Today feed, and they give out winning prop bets on thrivefantasy.com. So go sign up today. Again, this is a massive deal for us here at HoopBall. We want to make them happy, so sign up and go win some money. They actually don't care if you take, if you win, because... uh, that's good for them. New users is good. It's not like you're taking a sportsbook's money here with Thrive Fantasy. The money is coming from a pool of contestants. So go win other people's money that aren't using uh, Sports Ethos' DFS Today podcast to get their leg up. We have a special link. I'm going to pro- uh, continue to post that on Twitter. You can, you can sign up through that. Or if you want to just do it yourself, go to thrivefantasy.com or download the Thrive Fantasy app and use promo code ETHOS, E-T-H-O-S, you get a 100% deposit match up to $100 on your first deposit. And if you deposit $10, that's it. You get two free $20 NBA game tickets. So the NBA contests there, some of them run $20. There's the uh, $5,000 guaranteed contest nightly. That's the $20 entry ticket. You can do two of those with a $10 deposit. You also get the $10 match. So you could actually end up with three of those, meaning $60 of play uh, ability for only a $10 deposit at thrivefantasy.com. Please do check them out. It would mean the world to us. We want to build up their users. We want to make this friendship one that lasts a very long time. Again, thrivefantasy.com. Promo code is ETHOS. Back to Saturday we go. Back to Saturday we go. I think that was a seven-game card. Orlando played two days in a row, so we can skip over them. Clippers have been without Paul George for a couple of ball games. He's questionable for their next one. When he's out, Reggie Jackson probably moves ever so slightly above the cut line. When he's in, Reggie and his god-awful shooting percentage probably below it. I've actually been kicking him to the curb in a number of leagues. I've sort of given up on waiting for his shot to come around. Terrence Mann is the guy who gets Paul George's spot in the starting lineup. And to me, he's the guy I'd rather start as opposed to Reggie Jackson or Luke Kennard because Mann can get rebounds. And man can get steals and blocks and threes, and he does it on a better efficiency than Reggie Jackson does. And Kennard has been pretty efficient, but he doesn't get steals or blocks or rebounds. Or you could take the easy path here and just leave it alone because the Clippers are sadly a little bit clunky from a fantasy perspective this year. It's pretty much Paul George dot, 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 dot. And then Ivica Zubats has had some pretty good stretches, although, again, we've been watching him tail off just a little bit and continue to hang on. So Paul George, when he gets back, yes, if he's a Zubats, he's a go. 
And when Paul George is out, I think you could probably stream Terrence Mann. I don't know that you'd have to go with Kennard or Jackson. Luke certainly has the profile to hurt you less than Reggie Jackson does. So that's a maybe. I think I'd probably lean that way more in in head-to-head. Utah blew out Washington. Not a whole lot to learn there. Uh, Hassan Whiteside double-double with four blocks because of the blowout. Rudy Gobert only had to play 28 minutes in that ballgame. On the Washington side, Daniel Gafford, 14-11, double-double, 6-for-6. He's inside the top 90. Bradley Beal continues to stink. It's really weird. Washington's hot start feels like a decade ago, and uh, you kind of just have to ride it out for now. I've already mentioned I don't think Spencer Dinwiddie needs to be on rosters. KCP now kind of coming back to earth as well. He probably slides back into more of a streaming valuation. So, you know, blah. Washington is not winning it with their offense. They were winning with their defense early. And, you know, they're just, I think, a little lower on energy now. Low energy. What are you going to do? It's the dog days of the season. Kings tried to go big to combat the Cavs. Didn't go great. Our guy Terrence Davis only got 18 minutes because the Kings tried to go big. Uh, But then we got a report that the Kings are shopping Marvin Bagley and Buddy Heald again. Who knows what it's all going to mean. I'm sticking with Terrence Davis. I actually found this game to be oddly fulfilling. Davis had five fouls in in 18 minutes. It's possible he might have actually played more if not for that rather looming issue. Maybe he wouldn't have. I don't know. But they certainly looked better when he was a larger part of it, as opposed to going to the Bagley Alex Len front court here. Well, I mean, really, what? It's a bad idea. You don't have Rashawn Holmes, and you're going to go big with Bagley and Alex Len? I think at that point, you might just want to go small and see if you can spread it out, because you ain't beating Cleveland in a traditional straight up basketball game right now. Cavs are playing too well. I don't think we need to go into much on the Cavs side. Seems like Kevin Love streamer level jetty osman streamer level isaac okoro's had a couple of decent ball games i still can't bring myself to trust that i guess you could lump him into a stream zone as well and then larry markin and he'll bounce back uh but on the king side again yeah i'm sticking with terrence davis a little bit longer you know this game was not good mind you but it didn't kill you uh roto games cap you probably make sure he's starting before you plop him into your lineup this is just overall a pretty ugly game for him Sacramento. Buddy Heald got hot in a weird twist. Memphis beat Houston 113-106. Rockets playing better these days. Memphis finding ways without John Morant. They lost Steven Adams to a twisted ankle. And Xavier Tillman picked up the extra playing time. Had a horrible free throw shooting game, but he makes sense as a short-term ad. Stream Tillman. And unfortunately, we have to talk about DeAnthony Melton, who played only 18 minutes in this game. Four points, two boards, an assist, and a steal. We did it on Friday, and I did it on Twitter, and I just, it, it pains me to put this on a podcast because it's counter all of the things you can see in his game. But when Dylan Brooks is around, DeAnthony Melton is not a startable fantasy guy. I hate it. I hate it. I don't want anybody to think that this is me shading Melton. He's amazing. When he gets any playing time at all, he's terrific. But we have enough data now to know that when Dylan Brooks is healthy, Melton doesn't get minutes. Remember when Brooks came back and then ramped up quickly? Melton's minutes dropped from 32 one night to 17 the next. 
Brooks got back, got his starting job back, and Melton's minutes went down to 17, 19, and then 17 again. He scored a grand total of 12 points in those three games. He did have four steals at least, but everything else was atrocious. It was outside the top 200 level stuff when Dylan Brooks is around. Melton had a slightly better ball game in a win over the Clippers on November 18th, but even then, 23 minutes, 6-5-3 and three with two steals, it dropped back off almost immediately. 20 minutes, 18-17 again, and then John Morant got hurt, and his minutes trended up, 22, 26, 23, and then Dylan Brooks went into protocols, 25, 29, and then Brooks came back, 18. You can and maybe should start Melton while John Morant remains out, because generally, you can expect him to get up into that 22 23-minute range without Ja around. But when Morant is back and Brooks is also back, 17, 18 minutes was what they were giving him. It's it's idiotic. I mean, there's, you know, but it's just reality at this point. And, like, I know that I am saying the same thing as every other analyst in fantasy, which is, like, you, you kind of have to hold on to this dude in the hopes that something clicks in Memphis, but at the same time, at some point, they're going to be healthy. Bain, Brooks, and Morant are all going to be there at the same time, and they've just wedged him out. I absolutely hate it, but I do think that when they get healthy, he's he doesn't even make it into the stream department. It's so dumb. It's so dumb that he that he doesn't get enough minutes, but it is what it is. And we just we have to be real with ourselves. You can't just sit on a guy all year in a lot of formats. Some you can. Games Cap Roto, you could sit on him and just play him anytime one guy is out for the Grizzlies and two guys are out, then you really get to enjoy it. And I've done that in a number of formats. You know, we've gotten 15, 16 really good games out of him so far this year. And if you could dodge the other seven or eight. Terrific. Now you're talking about a top 75 guy as opposed to those other games which have dropped him back into that 115 range overall because those games are more like top 200. Meanwhile, on the other side, Alpern Shengun played 23 minutes. It's always a good sign when the Rockets start Daniel Tice because that means they want to run a bit bigger. They were mostly dealing with Steven Adams who got hurt partway through, but Shengun still got his center minutes. That was great. It's not as good for Christian Wood, which we've seen his blocks go down, his overall... Everything goes down when he's at power forward instead of center. Uh, but Shengun has a much easier time competing with Daniel Tice for center minutes than he does Christian Wood for center minutes. We did a Shengun uh, segment on Friday's podcast where I was just like, look, you can sit on him all the way through. Maybe you catch a game like this every once in a while, which certainly makes it easier. 15, 6, and 6, four defensive stats. This is a really nice game for the young fella. But... When they go back to playing small and he's going to get 12 minutes behind Christian Wood, those are tough ones. Only you can make the call on that one. There's a couple of spots where I would advocate it. Games cap roto, you just treat him like an injured player, basically. Head-to-head weekly, you could kind of treat him like an injured player. Head-to-head daily, if your team is strong enough and you can kind of weather it, he becomes an active stash sort of deal. But yeah, I mean, you kind of have to feel that one out a little bit. Chicago, I'd love to brief you on Chicago, but they're not playing until the weekend, so I don't know that we even really have to, and we have no idea who's going to be back for them when they play next. Skip it. 
Miami, sounds like Jimmy Butler will not be traveling with the Heat for at least the first leg of their four-game road trip, so that sucks. Dwayne Dedman, they needed him to deal with Nikola Vucevic. So there he was, out there playing 29 minutes, big ball game. Dedman, as we said on Friday, is a matchup center for the Heat. And they have some big teams coming up, some larger-than-average opponent centers. So Dedman's probably going to have a better few games, if I had to guess. Lowry's a go. P.J. Tucker has been pretty close to a go lately, but I, I mean, overall with the Heat, you're, you know, you're, you're fighting it a little bit. You're fighting it with Miami. They're they're a tough team to read because Max Drews might go off one day. Caleb Martin entered. He had to. He couldn't play. So did Gabe Vincent do enough? I you know, the Heat are one where we probably all need to just sit down and watch one of their games all the way through. But sometimes I watch them like what what am I looking at here? So I'm mostly in favor of just starting Kyle Lowry and playing it safe with Miami. And if you're in a games cap, you can go Deadman against a big opposing center. But I'm probably not starting PJ Tucker outside of a head-to-head spot with a schedule advantage. Kind of the same story for Duncan Robinson, Gabe Vidson, whoever might be in that starting lineup, even Tyler Hero. Warriors lost to the 76ers. Draymond Green was quoted as saying this game pissed him off. He really wanted to win it. Steph closing in on the all-time three-pointers record. Nothing changes for the Warriors game-to-game, so cool. Sixers, kind of the same story. Embiid. Tobias Harris, they're easy go. Seth Curry is a go most ball games. Matisse Thybul back into the starting lineup here. They wanted him guarding Steph Curry. He did a great job. Didn't pile up much in the way of fantasy stats, but you have to wonder if Philly is rethinking some of their strategy with Danny Green because he went back to the bench. And so it's all just a rich tapestry out there. I, you know, I think with Thybul, you probably can drop, but if, the, if this is the start of... Maybe I shouldn't say you can drop because he, he probably got dropped in a lot of spots because he was basically not playing at all the last week. Um, do you have to add him? Eh, I don't know. I think I'd like to see him start again. Denver beat up San Antonio. We are talking about the Spurs. Jokic has been on a furious run. This was the Monty Morris turn in who was going to have a slightly better ball game. You know, if you can guess it on any given night, congratulations. It's just not, I don't, I don't like fighting that battle. There was no Will Barton, which obviously helps. That gives Morris a few more shots. Uh, Aaron Gordon has a low back injury. There's some soreness going on there. So it's possible that Monte Morris might be worth going another ball game. I just, again, I think you're, you're, you're talking about like a 50, 50 Roto games cap kind of thing and probably does fit a bit better. Uh, on the head-to-head side. Hey, I got a, a kind of a fun story over the weekend from a good friend of mine, we'll just call him DC, who mentioned that he is a large proponent of ExpressVPN. And of course, our specialty link there is expressvpn.com slash hoopball. They haven't changed it. I'm guessing they're probably not going to change the promo code. We might just be stuck with that one forever. That's okay. Um... DC, as we'll call him, lives uh, about 300 miles away from the Thunder and about 550 miles away from the Nuggets. And his area where he lives is technically in the major uh, team market or whatever you call the, the media umbrella for both teams. So poor DC, he can't watch Thunder games 
or Nuggets games on League Pass and just get screwed weekly, yearly, nightly. And he's not alone. This is, I think I would argue, you know, I was talking about when I lived in Bakersfield and how I had to deal with this for uh, Lakers and Dodgers stuff. And it's, it's not that dissimilar in a lot of states in the middle of the U.S. that don't have their own NBA team. So they rely on kind of the nearest major team that claims their area as their own, and that might happen with a few different spots. But because of League Pass stuff, maybe they don't get the cable company that carries it. If you are in one of those situations, and again, it doesn't have to be the middle of the U.S., but I think perhaps it's more common out there just because of how much distance there is between teams with ExpressVPN, one button, and you can be in a different place. You can magically transport yourself to Toronto, <laughs> to uh, Singapore. It, 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 you can be anywhere. They can't know your location or your browsing information. So if you're stuck in one of these spots and you're like, all I want to do, please, all I want to do is watch my damn team play basketball, I'm more than willing to pay the 200-some-odd dollars for League Pass or whatever it runs these days. I'll pay. I don't want to steal anything. I just want to watch it. This is how. Go to expressvpn.com slash hoopball, get a VPN, protect your privacy, and watch your team's games without idiotic blackout restrictions because they're really not fair, especially to those folks that are willing to pay for the services to get their games. You should be able to watch the team you want to watch. It's just not that hard. Aside from the, you know, one time every three weeks that the Nuggets end up on a national game or the one time every season the Thunder do in this particular case. So thank you, DC, for that story. Everybody, please go to expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Get 15 months for the price of 12. Bonus three months on your membership using that uh, URL. Once again, expressvpn.com slash hoopball. A couple teams didn't play over the weekend, so we got to go all the way back to Friday and make sure we cover them. Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Terry Rozier expected back for their ball game. Thank the good Lord. P.J. Washington also expected back. He was a non-COVID uh, ailment. That kept him out. So you'll see more P.J. Washington. He'll go back to what he was doing prior to his very short absence. Terry Rozier, I would assume, slots in for Cody Martin, but I'm not certain. He might slot in for Kelly Oubre if they want to bring him off the bench and take a ton of shots. Either way, there's plenty because uh, James Booknight took 14 shots in their last ball game, a win, by the way, over the Sacramento Kings, and his role will shrink considerably. Rozier is going to do all kinds of stuff, provided he actually has his wind back. Remember, he was in protocols for COVID, but he's going to do a ton. Ubre, Martin, those guys remain terrific streams for the Hornets here in the near term. Indiana uh, beat Dallas back on Friday. Pacers have been weirdly playing better since their whole team got put on the trade block. I guess we'll see how that whole thing shakes out. Justin Holiday's getting close to coming back. He's working on his reconditioning now. We'll see what that does to folks like Chris Duarte. Uh, O'Shea Brissett coming off the bench, Keelan Martin, guys that have been kind of wing or forwardy. Uh, Lavert's been playing a little bit better. Maybe you can keep that going. Sabonis, Miles Turner, those guys are fine. Brogdon, that's fine as well. I think with Duarte, he's probably good to go here, but just keep an eye on it 
there is a magical universe where Justin Holiday takes enough away from him that pushes him back out, uh, back out into kind of a streamer platform. Atlanta got Cam Reddish back on Friday. He only played 18 minutes, so working back in sort of slowly. Timote Luau Cabarro still got 31 minutes, and he's going to be the guy that takes the first big hit here with Reddish returning. Uh, Kevin Herter still a go in the short term. We'll see what that looks like as Reddish gets up to pace. Danilo Gallinari continues to actually be streamable. And again, that's another one you got to keep an eye on. Bogdan Bogdanovich still expected to miss a couple more weeks. Uh, and that's the one when he comes back that really shakes things up for Gallo and Herter. Um, so do pay attention to the Hawks on a night-to-night basis. I think you could probably roll the dice and start Herter even in a games cap format. I think you could probably do the same with Gallo. And uh, if it doesn't go all that great, then you know what? You learned your lesson. You'd bench him in the next one. Um, but to me, it feels like they're running warm enough right now where you can probably dump them in there. And at the worst case, you get like kind of a streamer level game, which isn't great. It's not what you want in a games cap format, but it's enough. Toronto, I know we've heard about their game being postponed later this week, but they do have one before that. Chris Boucher is getting big minutes right now with Precious Achua out and Kem Birch out. And as long as he's starting, he should be on your team and going also. Is this going to continue after Boucher returns or after uh, Achua comes back? I doubt it. I mean, they're looking for almost any reason to get Boucher out of the lineup. But uh, at present, he's better than the other options they've got. They've gone against some teams that are pretty good defensively, so I think they felt like they wanted to get a, a big man that could spread the floor a little bit. Would love an update on OG Ananobi. He's still out. Um, Toronto's sort of wiggling their way through the season right now, not looking all that great, but fantasy-wise, at least fairly predictable. Um, And I believe, did we have one more team that didn't go over the weekend, or was that it? Uh, Two more, actually. Boston and Phoenix didn't go over the weekend. They played on Friday. DeAndre Aiden was out with a non-COVID ailment. I picked up JaVale McGee in a roto situation just to see what might happen. It's quite conceivable that Aiden is back and then McGee goes straight back to his, you know, 13, 14-minute bench role, which, by the way, he wasn't horrible even in that role. Uh, Jay Crowder's actually been pretty good with no Devin Booker. Oddly enough, he has probably been the biggest beneficiary because Cam Johnson, he's probably made the biggest single individual jump with no Booker. But to me, Cam remains more of a stream schedule stream kind of guy whereas Crowder kind of went from being a stream a schedule stream guy he moved up and above the cut line into a startable level dude so even though he only jumped probably you know from like a top 120 to like a top 85 top 90 valuation to me that's the difference between someone you can drop into any format and someone like Cam Johnson who I still don't think I'd want to use him in a roto games cap spot McGee if he's starting I do and then with Boston, they just need a breather, man. They got clubbed on this road trip. They did not look good. Jalen Brown is back for the Celtics. They need him. Oh, do they need him bad. And then in our, I guess what we can probably just call our by low of the century, the Time Lord right now. Uh, his minutes have been going straight down, and he hasn't been doing all that much with them. But look at the whole team. They just look completely exhausted. That's a wonderful time to try to buy in on some guys. Get them a couple days rest, which they have. They're back home. Probably get some sluggishness in that first game back. Wait, make sure they're actually home before you say they're home, Dan. Don't do something stupid. Is Boston back home now? Yeah, they're hosting Milwaukee. So this should be a weird one. Good opponent, sluggish first game back. 
But once they get the sluggish out and actually start to play maybe a little bit more rested with Jalen Brown, that's going to be good for the whole team. Um, you know, individually, players will take a small hit because Brown's going to get a little bit of that usage. But overall, they'll just feel better. And a reminder, as always, folks, please do check out our buddies over at manscaped.com. Promo code there is HOOPBALL20 for 20% off and free shipping on your order. And if you sign up for a new account at mybookie.ag, use promo code HOOPBALL. I will continue to keep you abreast of any odds boosts that happen with our pals at mybookie.ag. We are recruiting at Sports Ethos as well. Please do hit me up if you have any interest in being a part of our building now we're building out a football division a baseball division is also down the line so don't stay quiet and shy if you're more baseball and you're like well he only said football hit me up either way on twitter at dan Bespris or email roster at sportsethos.com if you don't have social media but you really need to get social if you're listening to a fantasy basketball podcast you need to be on twitter because you can get your information so much faster there and then you can if you if you like still rely on me to sort of parse it, analyze it, and tell you what to do with it. But it's pretty important to know who's in and who's out in a a timely fashion. I've been running some polls on Twitter over the last day to figure out what everybody thinks of Damian Lillard as well. I think there may be a buy-low opportunity with him if we jump on it perhaps before he goes on a little run here. I'll uh, update you guys as I get a little more info on that department as well. That was Reverse Chronological Lightning Round Monday. I'm tired. My voice is shot. Let's... uh, rotate the old calendar to the following day hit me up on the twitters would love to talk to you over there this is fantasy nba today a sports ethos presentation SportsEthos.com and ethos fantasy bk on twitter a lot of you guys went and followed ethos fantasy bk on twitter thanks for doing that folks i guarantee you're happy you did okay we'll talk to you tuesday so long everybody